look, for 2021, we have about a quarter of our business in that we had in the previous year. So it's, it's, it's looking good. Um, so I think, uh, you know, here, here I am being honest with you and I am honest. I think uh, I'll, I'll break even in 2021 and I think there'll be a great future for any travel agents that are left in 2022. The Architects of Business with EY Entrepreneur of the Year telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome to the Architects of Business Made in Partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, where you will hear the inspirational stories of some of Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Sonia Lennon, broadcasting remotely at this time. And on this week's show, I chat with Mary McKenna, the founder of Tour America, an Irish travel company dealing with the extraordinary challenges brought up by COVID. She talks about the future of travel and the changes that she's made to her business to lead into a predicted travel boom in 2022. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe to get brand new shows directly into your feed. Mary McKenna of Tour America, thank you so much for joining us on Architects of Business today. It's not my first time talking to you, but we thought we would bring you back in today to talk a little bit more about your story and more importantly, your industry, the travel industry. At this time in its evolution, there is so much to discuss, but I think it's only fair to our listeners to to just take a little roll back in time um, and tell us a little bit about how Tour America started. You know, it's really funny that you asked this question, Sonia. Uh, I'm actually going to be 25 years in business next month. So uh, I have done a huge amount of reflection over the last six months and thinking back about starting a business. And um, I started a business uh, from my home in my sitting room with no money, Uh, had a great idea, had done my market research and grew a business um, over the years. And, you know, I thought it was going to go like this, a straight line. (laughs) What's happened has gone up and down and up and down. And I think it's really important that you can have a good idea and grow a business, but to be resilient and agile are the most important lessons I've learned. And I have been knocked to the ground and to pick yourself up all the time. And it's been, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I love what I do. Um, and it's a business that, you know, we, we sell dreams. We sell holidays to the States and cruises. Um, and I know I told you this story, but cruise holidays started after September the 11th, where I thought I'd lost my business overnight because business uh, stopped for three months. And uh, I'm now reflecting on, on that time now, thinking, actually, that wasn't so bad. Um, and how we started cruise holidays uh, because I had to let go of staff and, and that really got to my core values and, and uh, I dug deep and we started cruise holidays and, and cruise holidays ended up being uh, the non- number one uh, seller of cruises on the island of Ireland. And we turned over six million on cruises alone. And to go through then and a cruise ship sinks, um, you know, and that business went down again and then ash cloud and then hurricane uh, recession, um, you know, dealing with the recession and how we dealt with it. Um, so plenty of experience. Do I look a bit battered to you? <laughs> no, you're looking okay. You look contemplative, strategic and reflective, as, and I would expect no less. I, I have to ask you, though, this idea that any business could be linear um, through uh, an unmanageable 
world, external world. Do you think that was a function of naivety at the time when you when you started? Yes, absolutely. Without a doubt, I had no idea what was ahead of me. And I think I have really matured and uh, and grown with the business and educated myself along the way. And that's why when we talk about COVID and, and the way it's hit business, how I have to say in one sense, while my industry is decimated, really how as a business we've prepared for it. And, and that's based on past experience of things going wrong and learning. So you know, I'm one of these grafters who, who've actually learned from experience and nothing does experience you in business as an SME for what is ahead right now. But I think we've done all the right things and coped and uh, and the, the company's deep enough uh, to get through it. But again, the experience has helped me prepare. Not that I knew this was going to happen, but pre- prepare for events like this. So I guess experience of crisis leaves you on a better footing to deal with the next blow. Yes, exactly. And I just have to tell you, when this all happened in March, Sonia, to be honest, uh, I I had two incredibly stressful weeks. And I always think I was like this swan on the river, you know, looking very calm on the outside. And underneath it all, my feet were going mad um, because you have so many things to deal with when when things don't go right and business doesn't go the right direction, uh, in particular around your staff and, and dealing with human beings and, uh, you know, managing them. And it's it's been a very stressful time for teams and people. Then your stakeholders and making the right decisions. Uh, so I, even if I was to look back over the last six months, um, I could write a book on what we did, what we did and 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 we did make good decisions. I didn't know they were so good at the time, but they were good decisions. Um, and it was all based around, to be quite honest with you, uh, your gut is always do the right thing. You know, do the right thing for the customer, do the right thing for the staff. And that, again, has come out of experience. Um, the two things I've learned, having, you know, gone to IMD in Switzerland, someone who didn't go to college, uh, learning about strategy and business models and profiling people, all great. But the two things that I've learned in business over 25 years is the importance of really culture, people and customers, you know, really getting in their shoes and taking care of your customers because I'm in a retail business. Uh, so the, they're, they're the two things that we focused on during this crisis as well. But it, it has been tough, I can tell you. <laughs> I'm going to ask you in a moment about some of the right decisions that you made to share them. But first, I'm struck um, whenever I think about your story, I'm struck by the sort of foundational pieces that have driven your business forward. Um, And and at a remove for me, they are the the, um, impact and influence of your dad, uh, the impact and influence of sport and your own ability to progress through continuous education to give you that kind of value-led strategic view. And, and, you know, you say it yourself that you want to work on your business, not in it. Mm. Um, how, how important is that um, sort of value system to you? And, and I can only imagine that it has um, driven some of those key decisions. Yeah, and it, it does start from when you're young. And, uh, you know, like, I, as I said to you, I lost my dad when I was quite young. Well, I think 25 was young. He was only 55. Um, but his core values were around honesty, integrity, um, not conforming. And I and I think that's really important, conformity. Uh, you know, there are times in life when you can ignore something or do the right thing. And 
I do the right thing. And sometimes I can pay the price for it because it's not going with the crowd or doing different things. But somewhere inside me and, and from what my father gave, whether those core values always do the right thing, always be kind, um, you know, and I think COVID has brought around a bit more of community, but he definitely gave me those core values. He was a good man. He was a hardworking man, a successful man. He was a great father who, you know, loved us dearly. And uh, and I think having a 12-year-old boy myself now, I'm saying you don't have to follow the crowd. You can just, you know, do the right thing. Uh, you know, you don't have to, if your friend jumps in the fire, you don't have to jump after him. Um, you know, what What are your core values? What's important to him? Um, so, th- th- yeah, they were my basic foundations. Look, Sonia, I'm like everybody. I'm a human being. I don't get things right all the time. I make mistakes. But fundamentally, uh, you know, I always try to do the right thing. And so what were those decisions? What What can you look back on 20 years time and, and yeah. say, you know, that was the right thing to do for my business, for my customers, for all the stakeholders. Yeah. So a lot of things that uh, when I think about the 18th of March, when I turned the key on the door on Abbey Street, we have two offices there, an office in Orlando and an office down in Cork. I think about standing in front of my staff a couple of days before saying, I don't really know what's happening, but I'll keep communicating, keep talking to you. This will end. Uh, You have to trust in me as your leader to try and get us out of this. And it's going to be a bit painful. Um, But when we closed the doors on the 18th of March, I I thought about other people uh, in the journey and in particular around customers and customers' frustration. So a lot of people weren't talking about refunds and, and what was due to customers. Uh, so we came out very clear with, you know, a customer is 100% entitled to a full refund. Uh, and whether that throws you over the edge or not, that's the fact of the matter and how we deal with customers. So when the 18th of March happened to every other business in in this country, if it was a pub, a coffee shop, they could stop, close, not pay uh, salaries anymore. We didn't have that situation because in the travel business, we had to continue to take care of existing customers, customers who were traveling in six months time or in a year's time. And then we had to give back all the money we took in that we previously had overheads. And it was how, you know, if, if every travel agent stopped on the 18th of March and said, actually, we're going to be like every other industry and we're not going to work. Um, then you would have had huge problems with customers looking for refunds, which they kind of have with airlines. Um, but we decided we'd manage it well. We'd we'd put up messages on social media. Our office isn't open. And, and I did videos to customers, honest videos saying, I don't know what the story is here. We haven't got refunds in this, but we're, we're working on your behalf. We're doing different things. Um, but we're there for you. You can talk to us. You can talk to us on, on the phone. We don't want you coming into the office because of safety reasons. You're, we're on social media. So doing all the right things. And the other thing then, I had to think about um, a business, a business for the future. Um, so my, the first lesson uh, that you you learn very quickly is take your overheads down. So, um, and you just don't go ahead and do that. You have to think of your stakeholders. So for example, I rang every person that we deal with and said, where can we work? What way can you cut your fees down? And so, for example, my technology company, which is a huge expense, you need technology to keep going. They need mm-hmm. to keep going as well. So we agreed a 50% reduction. Um, you know, some success with landlords, some not. 
But I did speak to every single stakeholder. I spoke to the team. Uh, we had to put half our team on the COVID payment, which, you know, it's not nice for staff because they don't like uh, uncertainty. Everybody likes certainty in life. So it was, you know, constantly doing the Zoom calls, constantly answering the questions that customers wanted to know, honestly. So, for example, Virgin Atlantic were very slow in giving back refunds. And what the because we're a licensed and bonded uh, travel company, like all travel companies, the 200 in Ireland, that means a customer's money is financially protected. But if you haven't got a refund in, you know, it's bad enough giving back all the money that you have. But if you haven't got it in, you're, you're at a double loss. So we would we, what we did is we gave out a voucher, a license and bond voucher and said, Sonia, here, here's your thousand euros. That means it's protected. There's a guarantee it'll be paid within six months. Um, and we want to give you the correspondence from Virgin Atlantic to show you that Tour America or cruise holidays are working on your behalf. Here's the date they said, or they said 120 days. So we were transparent and, and actually, that's all people wanted was tell me what's happening, mm. talk to me and uh, and let me know. And I think we did that very well. And, and we had very good comments on Facebook. Um, and now as a leader, right, I'm looking back saying, because the other thing I, I, I called on very early and it wasn't really to do with, you know, the seriousness of COVID. I thought in March that July and August might not give a customer 100 percent that they thought they would get. Something might not mm. be 100 percent. So I, I spoke to the team and I said, well, I want you to contact every customer traveling in July and August. Now, this is against my own industry uh, because they needed travel mm-hmm. to happen. And I was saying, OK, and I did, too. But I said, I don't think they're going to get 100 percent. And I said, I don't like doing this, but let's contact every single customer and move them to next year, offer them next year. And we did that months out. So I actually, as a business person, said, I'm actually writing off 2020, which is you know, it's going to be huge losses, but made that call early, did the figures on it, said, let's plan for 2021, maybe Christmas time. So looking back now, they were good decisions. In terms of that non-conformity piece, um, that's something that we don't teach kids in school. We teach them to to learn by rote, um, to, to follow the crowd, even even educationally, never mind their own external behaviours. And, and school wasn't a particularly comfortable place for you. So do you think there's a, um, a slight relationship in there between, you know, h- how school was for you and your ability yeah. to non-conform? Yeah, I think, and you know, I remember being at um, uh, an Enterprise Ireland day and they had a speaker talk about kids and innovation and creativity and they said if you think of children up to the age of three and four they have so much innovation and creativity and then between uh four and eight it goes down to 30 percent and then between eight and 14 it goes down and actually it's only the one percent but that's all about conformity because we get them to conform uh in schools and we don't like i mean looking back uh i obviously had a talent (laughs) um but it wasn't there in school, but I did, you know, and it's funny when I found what I loved and um, even, you know, when I went to study and I, I got my pilot's license, even though I've never flown a plane, I still scored the, the best results, you know. So it's it's the ability to find what is it that makes us tick and and conformity in terms of if you look at entrepreneurs or the top entrepreneurs. None of them really do conform if you think about them. Nope. Agreed. 
I remember seeing an experiment years ago um, to uh, determine the characteristic of uh, of an entrepreneur. And they asked teams, uh, sort of uh, some, some teams who weren't entrepreneurial and some who were, to um, to find a way to get an egg, to jettison an egg off a second story of a building um, without breaking it. Mm. And uh, the team who weren't entrepreneurs spent hours trying to manufacture these sort of uh, padded hammocks for the eggs. The entrepreneurs just threw the eggs off the building, you know, it was like, well, look, they're going to end up at the bottom. It doesn't matter if they break. And I I think that's very much the kind of spirit um, which is, look, encapsulated by all the alumni of EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Um, But let's have a look at... um, what the reality is for your business. Um, If you go back to pre-COVID, give us a a snapshot of of the landscape of your business. So uh, pre-COVID, very successful business, uh, growing. We turned over 22 million, really good profits. We've had, uh, I bought out my shareholder about five years ago and I I felt, you know, I could really grow the business and and that's, you know, it has grown profit-wise. So, and it has been profit, profitable since day one. Uh, the first year of business, Sonia, I turned over in 1996, three million pounds. And, and I can tell you, my office was disgusting. Everything was awful in it, secondhand furniture. And we made 69,000 pounds profit because I ran it. Okay, well, there are the overheads. This is what, you know, very simple. Um, this is the margin. These are the overheads. And so, I was able to bring in in the last five years a lot of different ideas about the customer and net performing scores. How do we make ourselves different? What's our value proposition? How can we upskill our staff? How can I get them not to conform? Uh, think outside the box. How do I get creative people really working around that? How do I find this? How do you do that? So you you live it, you breathe it. Yeah. That non nonconformity is is running through your veins. How do you encourage your team to think like that? Yes. Yeah, so you ask, you know, the, the questions are, are you ask the right questions. And, and first of all, there are some people in life and, and you have to accept this, that there's different functions they like doing. They like going into the office every day at nine o'clock and leaving five o'clock. That's it. There are some people. Why am I here? Does anyone care? How can I do better? And, uh, you know, that, that you need to look at. So the signals are there. So for me, when I'm interviewing, I don't even need to look at a CV. Just show me a hunger and a passion. Uh, and a desire to grow and learn. So the things I look for are people who want to develop themselves. That's the first thing I look at. So when I say, look, I'll you know, pay for any course, those people who jump at them, I'm saying, God, yeah, they really want to develop themselves. And then it's my job as a leader to make sure I don't leave someone in the corner that I'm spotting this talent spotting. Now, I probably wasn't, I, I probably was okay at, at the beginning, but so, and it's also, you know, the ability to, to deal with underperformers and say, you're actually not delivering this, you know, I see you, you know, what do you want? You want to be here and, and holding people to account as well. Um, so there is a culture, again, McKinsey's did a great report years ago. And um, this is why the Leadership for Growth course happened with Enterprise Ireland um, about the inability of Irish managers to deal with underperformers. And they presented to Enda Kenny at the time. And that is rampant uh, in companies. So, again, it was really looking at what every individual was bringing to the company. What can you do for the company? And look, um, 
I'm only a small business. I have 50 staff. Um, but I was getting to the stage where I was enjoying that and growing that and and developing myself. And, you know, I studied NLP and emotional intelligence and worked with a business coach at the alternative board. Um, so I'm held accountable because, I, again, you know, I had to look at my own weaknesses and I was getting away with murder and nobody was challenging me. So you have to be challenged as a leader and you have to look. I have to look at myself and say, what are my weaknesses and who's going to challenge me personally? Um, so, yeah, it's having a team. You need different types of personalities. You need different types of people. And that's what I recognized as well. You don't need all Mary McKenna's in the company. We get nowhere. <laughs> So, so that team of 50 people, a burgeoning business run in a, a lean and strategic way. Yeah. Um, what does the business look like now? So uh, it's going to have, for the first time in 25 years, 2020 accounts will show massive losses. Um, and uh, it's not something you like to see, but there's nothing I could do about that. But we're, we're a good, deep business with cash flow. So I have to accept it which I found very hard Sonia um but there was nothing I could do on that we have to do all the right things so and look at the future so in on March I set up straight away zoom holidays zoom travel thought what way is travel going to look in the future and uh, and really work around that I have my some of my team working on our website what way can we be different video because we are niche and we are personal and we want to continue that but I don't know if retail is going to be that way in the future. I'm not Expedia. I offer great prices, great service, but it's very personalized and uh, it's touch points. So how can I do that online, face to face? And I think it can be done. So look, for 2021, we have about a quarter of our business in that we had in the previous year. So it's 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 looking good. Um, so I think, uh, you know, here here I am being honest with you and I am honest. I think uh, I'll break even in 2021 and I think there'll be a great future for any travel agents that are left in 2022 because we are licensed and bonded. So an airline can go bust in the morning where a travel agent is there. They give the, the, the right prices. You can get them on the phone and your money is protected. So I think that message never got out before. Um, and a lot of people thought, oh, I'd book a hotel here, a book, you know, where if you're spending three and a half grand or four grand, there might be value to to now looking at that. Um, so when you when you look forward then to that 2020 uh, boom, travel boom, 2022, is it going to be, <laughs> 2022, sorry, 2022, <laughs> when you look forward to that 2022 travel boom, um, it in your mind's eye, has travel changed? Because I get the sense that it has. Perhaps it could be a return to the elitism of travel. Is 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 it going to be for um, those at the top of the pile? What does it look like? No, to you? I don't think it will be those at the top of the pile. So I think I think people will travel less, and uh, you know, and, and I'm all into. Uh, climate change to be quite honest as well so I probably be one of those people who will travel less I think what will happen is a lot of people will look at their main holidays so they might not go away two or three times uh, which most Irish people were going away um, so they look at one holiday one trip do it very well uh, you know and that's across the board we we, we sell holidays to everybody in Ireland and uh, and most people want to take a holiday and because the weather is not great in this country. So I think that will happen in the future. I, I think business travel 
will will not happen in 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 the way it did before. There is no need to have a company have an overhead of a, a corporate uh, travel. Uh, so I think that will be affected, and it probably will go down to about twenty five percent. So I think there'll be less uh, flights from Ireland. I think that you already see a lot of the airlines have cut capacity, and Ireland and Dublin in particular. Dublin Airport was a great hub. So all those passenger numbers that you heard going out of Dublin were coming via the UK or Europe. So Dublin was actually a hub and and doing very well. Um, And it's a great airport. So I think you see a lot of the transatlantic flights have already stopped. Um, And so it could be more expensive to fly or it could be cheaper again to to go via the UK. So, you know, you are a a really loud voice of your industry. Um, We're looking at 2022 being a sort of a a rebirth of this industry in a slimmed down version, perhaps, and in a slower and more considered way. Um, How how has the Irish government responded to to, uh, such a sizable sector? 3,500 employees in Ireland? Yeah, so like we're 1.4 billion of turnover in Ireland. Um, So look, They've done some good things. The, uh, the COVID payments uh, have been good. I think the communication has been okay. Um, but for our industry, if I compare it to other industries, we seem to be bottom of the barrel um, and literally no communication. Uh, I went to the Dáil with 15 people last Wednesday um, to give in a, a petition uh, with 6,300 names, mostly employees saying, I love my job or uh, customers mm. saying I always book with a travel agent and, and some ministers came out to speak to us and I said look it's about action this industry needs grants needs support um, you know and you can't even compare it to the Vintners Association because they could close up we had to continue working and give back all the money uh, so you think of a pub imagine if it had to give back all the money that it gave out in pints uh, so but we don't seem to have a voice and um, you know, I don't know why. I think there's cer- certain industries that do get a voice or whether they're very good at lobbying. Um, so I've written to every minister, Sonia. I, I got a, a reply back from uh, Leo, uh, um, somebody in his office, and it had nothing to do with the letter I wrote him. I wrote him a letter, a story, just my story saying, I'm good for the Irish economy. I'm a profitable business. You've invested in me. I want to continue growing, but I'm speaking on behalf of my industry. They're not all like me, but help them. Um, and so yeah. for some reason, we don't have a voice. Um, and you know something I've learned, Sonia, the most important thing? I know it's weird to say this, but you're on your own. You need to make the good business decisions yourself. And I'm glad, you know, a lot of the different things I've done over the years um, have been the right decisions. And I'm not dependent on anyone because I wouldn't want to be dependent on anyone. I asked a bank, uh, we, we've, the company has never had loans. We don't need cash. But I thought maybe it'd be good to have a loan approved. And uh, so I asked our bank and they said, yeah, sure, no problem. Personal guarantee. Now, you know, you never do a personal guarantee. So I just thought to myself, I'm so glad I don't need it. And uh, that's what I've learned. You're on your own. Well, amazing. I suppose we cannot um, not address the fact that the name of the company is Tour America. Um, And and America is um, in in a very fragile state at the moment. Um, How does that work for you? And I know you're you're sort of building the company for for its future profile. Are you concerned about the political state and the social state of the 
the states yeah, at the moment. I am. I'm very concerned. Um, I, you know, I watched Donald Trump um, with the California governor Gavin um, last week or this week, and when he said to him, you know, like clearly huge amount of fires in California at the moment, more than they've ever had. Uh, and he said, you know, he, he doesn't believe in climate change. I mean, that's really um, awful to see. And as a leader of of, uh, of a of a country like America, it's just he's a narcissist as far as I'm concerned. You know, he 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 just uh, really cares about himself. Um, but I do think, um, you know, hopefully we we have a new leader there. And uh, but I don't know. Um, I do think there's parts of that country that are very black and white. It's quite incredible to see when you go there. And then there are parts that uh, are just fantastic. And, and California is a, is a great state to go to. And New York, Irish people love it. There's nothing that's changed there. Um, Florida, you know, the Universal Parks and Disney Parks are great for customers. And, and Irish people really like it. I don't see that changing. I think a lot of people think about him as a leader and, and it makes them think about going to that country. I hate saying it because this is my business, but that's a fact of, ma- of the matter. So, so, you know, I suppose your, your business is very sort of laser focused on, on the key destinations within the States as opposed to a, a broad sweep across it, um, which is in a way, I suppose, your insurance policy to, to stay yes. uh, relevant to your customers. Yeah. And um, there's a demand for that. During this, t- yeah, yeah. And that's what it's all about. Um, have you seen a benefit um, of, of the, the network, the EY Entrepreneur of the the year network during this time? Yeah, so uh, I describe them as my tribe. And, uh, you know, when I described uh, how, uh, you, you know, necessarily I didn't fit in in school, but when I go away with these guys and I see them on WhatsApp, they are so supportive to each other and uh, and very supportive to me personally as well. So uh, I just find the group, I don't know how, but they are kind, good people who really watch out for each other. And I think that's incredible. And it's just like as if you took the best people in the world and put them in this group. They're very kind and they watch out for, you know, they have everybody's back. Um, so I think uh, EY themselves are a great organization um, and a lot of their webinars they've done have been fantastic. So yeah, I'm actually very proud to be part of it. I, I never thought I would be. It was something I tried for years. We won all awards and the only award I wanted is to be recognized for the talent I thought I had and it, to be in this group. And so I'm very honored and I really enjoy the WhatsApp. Uh, I really love the support and there's great support. And it, the support comes when you're down. They get behind you and really help. And that's what's lovely. And I think I think it's back to the how we started this conversation in terms of fit and when the fit is right. Yeah. Uh, not everybody could fit in that group by definition. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a certain brilliance required. Um, Mary, you are the embodiment of that brilliance. I, I love talking to you. I love hearing your strategic outlook. You are now uh, tag your it. You're the voice of your industry. Uh, go forth and make it better. We, we look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you. Thanks for listening and watching Architects of Business made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Thanks to the whole team here at Joe and, of course, to our entrepreneur, Mary McKenna. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe and never miss a show. The Architects of Business. 
with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. 